Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Snug Dan Nerdcast. As always, I'm Kevin, and sitting across the table from me, I got Danny. Way across the table. <laughs> oh, the like way down across there. the hey, table. Hey, Kevin, bye. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You know, it's that social distancing, right? <laughs> it's a beautiful uh, Thursday afternoon for us, and a wonderful Monday morning for you, listeners. Hope you're having a good well, day at work and the beginning Monday. of your week. If you're listening to it when it comes out, then Monday It'll morning. It'll be Monday. But... <laughs> yeah. Should be Monday. I was I was a day behind on mine because I was listening to other stuff. So like Where's the loyalty? That's why my tweet went out on Tuesday was because <laughs> I <laughs> You was know, I don't even listen it. to our own podcast. I just uh... I do just to like in I wanna see if I can like if I catch anything so that way like I also can catch me am, too. Yeah, so mm. you can be like, ooh, hey, what about this? Ooh, like, hey, what hey, about that? Hey, you need to re-upload this and cut that part out. <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't think I'll ever go back. And if I did, it would be something that I ended up saying anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. I don't know, man. I could say some comfort. I don't anyway. know. I, that, what was that? Episode 9, I think. I told you that my entire existence was controversial <laughs> after yeah. you said something I said was controversial. Like, out of some of the jokes that I make, I listen back and I'm like, oh, I just said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember that. So, how you doing today, Kev? I'm... I'm exceedingly tired. Yeah. Um, I had to work at 4.30 this morning. I got to work at 4.30 again tomorrow morning, so. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. yeah you got to work early. Those never, those aren't fun. It did 4 a.m. shifts during Christmas. That wasn't fun either. And the the night before, uh, so uh, last night, I worked a, well, yesterday, I worked 6 to 10 and then 4 to 8, so like... Ugh. Yeah, and then wait, they had you work till 10 p.m. and then go to work at four. No, 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 six oh. to 10 a.m. Oh, okay, oh, and yeah, then yeah, that's right. Eight to or four, four to, to eight, eight p.m. Right, okay. uh, which is the same thing on Tuesday. Why I've missed most of your game, right? Um, but I also, after I got off work, came home, had a talk with somebody, and then uh, made barbecue sauce. Oh, so I have time. barbecue sauce for you to purchase, my friend. I will be purchasing. Uh, how much is it? Because I have cash on me. Eight dollars a pint. Eight. Okay. I'll need more cash, or I can Venmo you. I'll just Venmo you. You can do that too. Yeah, that works. I'll Venmo you for um, the sauce. And then yeah, I need to make more batches because like one only fills four of those pint jars. One batch is mm-hmm. four of those pint jars. So like one to Ryan, and either you or River said you wanted two. And I think then, that was River. And then, uh, um, yeah. So that's the four. Ryan, two to River, one to you. For. <laughs> wonderful so um i'll be making another batch uh thankfully i've got almost everything i need already to do another batch i'll have to pick up like two ingredients oh, i forgot the funnel Dang funnel it. uh you don't have a funnel uh no and my dad had a wide mouth uh a wide mouth jar funnel oh, that he was shit. like yeah you can just take it i don't use it and i was like yes and i totally forgot it oh do you still have to fill the jars or Oh, no, I filled the four that oh, I have. Okay. I just realized how much barbecue sauce I ended up accidentally dumping because it <laughs> spilled everywhere as I attempted oh, to fill the jars. Oh, and you don't want that to happen again. <laughs> no, because I probably, with how much I lost, it was probably almost half a jar. So, like, if I had done multiple batches, I probably could yeah. have managed, like, an extra jar out of two batches. So it would have been like four and a half and four and a half, which would have then been nine instead of eight. (laughs) So eh, it's okay. I just added it. I added what was left in there. Um, 
because I wasn't making another batch last night. I just added it to the bottle that I've got sitting in the fridge. I was like, fucker. Every, every time. cast, every, every cast. time. You know when I didn't spill it last episode <laughs> because Maddie was holding it, sitting at my feet, and the episode before, uh, I did it before the episode, so it was out of my system. Hey, at least it's just it's water, right? Yeah, it's just water. Okay, at least it's just water. It's also like my fourth giant glass because <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm extra thirsty today. Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing you're drinking a lot of water. You want to? Yeah, go fill that up, man. Okay, anyway, and now we're back. I had to pause it for a moment. <laughs> Kevin has two sealed <laughs> bottles of water now, two yeah. spill-proof, hopefully, bottles I, of water. Yeah. I, I decided to switch to bottled water. Uh, it might be a little bit louder on the mic, but at least I will have less likelihood of spilling said water. So, <laughs> I also, this time, instead of spilling it across the table like I tend to do when I accidentally spill my drink across that the table, just went I right knocked off it directly edge. onto the floor. So, none of the yeah. water went on the table. Well, man, I'm actually kind of impressed you managed to do it almost every cast. Know, right? <laughs> and it's almost, all genuinely it's an accident. It's not even on purpose either. Nope. Every time. It's because <laughs> I knock it over a son of a bitch. Um, uh, okay. Well, uh, where were we? <laughs> we were just talking about how we're doing. Uh, right. I got contacts today, so I'm not wearing my glasses, I which d- feels I did great. I noticed that you were uh, not wearing your glasses today. So. Feels fantastic. And it's not just because I forgot to put them on before I went to drive feels awesome, actually. I'm getting used to the feeling. Like I say, do you prefer contacts? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Because uh, I, I'm tired of, of course, because I work with heavy equipment at work, too. Like the Crown yeah. and the Wave and the pallet jacks. And then just doing stuff every day. Just wearing the glasses. I'm always afraid they're going to fall off and slam on the ground. Or I forget them and I forget to put them on or, or take them with me. And then I have to figure out a place for them to go every morning and every night. And it's a whole routine. So now I've just got contacts. They're disposable. So I just... At the end of the night, put new ones in. Pretty easy. They're not uh, bad. The forgetting things, uh, you and me both there, brother. Yeah. Uh, you and I both would absolutely accidentally leave our heads at home if they weren't firmly attached to our shoulders. Uh, yeah, I lost my, my hydro flask because of that. <laughs> so, oh, no. It's gone forever. It finally didn't didn't make its way back to you, huh? Uh, well, I have this sneaking suspicion that I might have stole it from me because they dislike me, I think. I have this sneaking suspicion I left it there by accident and i think they just tossed it in the trash because they don't want me to have my things because <laughs> i raised such a stink about my car anyway i'm doing fantastic it's a nice day out it was really hot earlier it's cooled down a little bit i think washed my car then it rained immediately so that was <laughs> and, uh, fortunate danny got to hear because he was talking about that himself and he got to hear about my adventures where it was hot up on the roof above the third floor because it's black vinyl roofing uh and then it rained and then it was hot again <laughs> yeah oregon it was a hot Ooh. rain it was a warm ass rain <laughs> and we had some thunder going for a little bit i didn't see any lightning yet yeah i didn't, I didn't get did any thunder, thunder where i was at it's coming. The guys, the sky is pretty gray, uh, pretty cloudy. So, well, but anyway, yeah. Kevin, we have a special episode today. Yeah, Not as special uh, as the tenth episode. We're but. yeah, we're all about special episodes now. We're um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we are special. We decided that we were going to take the advice of Elliot to do a fully D and D episode that we had actually mentioned in the previous podcast. <clears throat> Um, we have a handful of friends that also listen to the podcast that uh, are 
new to D&D, trying to get into D&D, as well as we know that, well, it's just nice to get D&D information out there. So D&D is just picking up in popularity. There's a lot of guides online and stuff, too. But, yeah, you know, sometimes it's nice to get two things in one. And it's honestly, it's just kind of been on my brain as of late. Um, Those of you that follow me on Twitter, you can tell after my tweet today. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we uh, we figured, you know what? We might as well. We're going to get in a D&D episode. So uh, for those of you going to make my little disclaimer here, for those of you that have played D&D for a while, you're kind of more experienced or veteran players. um, You might like this. You also might get bored of this. Uh, So you might want to skip to a little bit further. But we want to start off with like here's the basic understanding of D&D type thing. As well as we did want to at least put in a a little bit of a segment of things we wish people would have told us when we were starting. Um, Just because I know a lot of players nowadays are going to be very happy to hear, you know, little tips and tricks that we can have. So yeah, we just we figured that it'd be a, a really good thing for newer players or even like just starting out players to kind of you know get our takes on uh, how things work and uh, you know things that we wish we would have known when we started. Yeah. So Kevin, um, I guess if somebody were to walk up to you and say, "I want to play D anD D," what would your first? Uh, what would your first like tutorial be? So if they wanted like an understanding of how D&D works, I I would kind of start off with explaining like the biggest the biggest thing to keep in mind when you're playing D&D is that truthfully the only limitations are your imagination and the DM's willingness to let you do things. <clears throat> That's a perfect start, I think. Like that's that is the the biggest thing for people to know, because like a lot of people, another thing that I always mention is like a lot of people, whenever I mention D&D, all they think of is like the kids and stranger things. They think of, you know, the stereotypical like 40 year old virgin nerds living in their parents basements covered in pimples or 300 pounds, which we might be. But hey, listen. I'm just kidding. I was going to say, I mean, half the party, like half of our usual D&D group, not at all. A couple <laughs> of them could maybe fall under that category, but we're not going to go into that. Well, <laughs> shots fired. And now, and now they're going to come at us and be like, who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leif, we know it's you. I don't we know. We know it's Leif. Um, so, but yeah, like a lot of people, oh boy, he wants to know if I want some tamales. All right, Kevin, you had a you had a, a visitor really quick. The second time we had to pause. Kevin is yeah, a a local tamales guy that comes by. Yeah, there's a there's a guy who yeah, he his wife somebody they make homemade tamales. Somebody and he will wander around the neighborhoods every now and again and knock on the door and ask if I want some tamales, and they are very good, very well made homemade tamales. So whenever I have cash and I can do that, I absolutely do that. Yeah. So I was, I was honestly like, I saw that and I was just, 
I was so happy because I had cash this time, so I got a dozen tamales. So in case anyone has lost track, like I did, um, we're talking about what is and is not D&D and how it is portrayed versus what it can actually be. So Dan- Danny got lost because we... I, I did. I did. He, that was all me. He tried to like... He's like, hey, this is... you know, I'm going to play the last thing that you said just to see like so that it can help you get back on track. Like, and he hit play and all it was, was just the, Oh, he wants to know if I want some tamales. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to take like an helpful. extra five minutes for me to stop laughing because I was laughing way too hard at that because that was not going to tell me where we were, but I didn't know where <laughs> we were. So it was okay. <laughs> so it's a little rough going. I'm a mess today. Apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, D and D is not, um, it's not, you don't have to dress up. You don't no. have to have a figurine. You don't no. have to have your own dice set. Usually no. most of the time you can use your phone or no. Google or some people will have spare dice. Um, you don't have to make a wizard. You don't have to make a elf. You don't have to make a barbarian. You don't have to make anything medieval. No. Um, D and D purely uses the adult imagination. Generally the adult imagination um, I mean, kids can play too. Of course, yeah. But usually, it's a. That's the nice thing is you can keep it kid friendly. Yeah, um, most of the time it is. I, yeah. I, I, th- I can't really think of outside of language, yeah, and gore maybe. But yeah, if but they like, describe it that far, exactly. Like, you, don't have to. Like, <laughs> you can keep it PG, where it's like, ah, you strike him down. Okay, like yeah, I killed somebody, but it's not like gory. So this person is um, wanting to play D anD D. They walk up to you. They ask you how it starts out so we tell them that it's not like you would see in the movies and shows mm-hmm. right it's not like stranger things yeah. um, all the time it can be totally yeah, can be sometimes it can absolutely. be that way um and i actually have a friend i forgot to mention i have a friend who uh was just kind of asking like she thinks it's funny mm-hmm. D, which is funny and i think it is um but she uh has just no clue so she's like do you dress up and do all that and i was like no we we just we just play certain characters and yeah. we just come up with creative ways to do it. Yeah. And it's like, um, I mean, some of us, like people like me, I kind of like, I try to kind of become the character because honestly, one thing that like, for me personally, it gets boring if you're playing the same personality over and over again when you play D and D. So like, I mean, you can do it. It's totally fine. But when you're playing with the same people, you're doing the whole thing. Like you get, you kind of get tired of the same personality and a different character every time. Yeah. It gets predictable and you're just like, okay, they're going to do this because that's how they are. Yeah. So that's, I like to get into the character, like create like a personality for the character. And I like to, I like to play that, but I, I don't like dress up as an elf or like put on no. wizard robes or anything like that. Like I show up half of the time I'm in my work clothes cause I came straight from work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, you can do all of that and it can be really fun to do that. I've yeah. never done it. Um, and I think it might, it would actually be pretty cool to have a one shot where people dress up as the part they play. I think that might be kind of cool, but it could be you know, fun. It's to do certainly the not a requirement. A and I don't think it's how most D and D games go. I really don't. From um, my experience, not at all. Yeah. So, so starting off with first time D and D players, your first step is going to be figuring out what kind of character you want to play and then ironing that character out. So you go through a whole process of creation. It's outlined very well in the player handbook. That is my first tips and tricks for new players. Uh, read, 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 read. 
um river can actually attest uh how much of a pet peeve it gets when people ask questions as they're trying to read through when the answer's literally in front of them uh we were playing it wasn't D D. it was another tabletop rpg but uh river actually during character creation i was creating a character and we were both roughly at the same point in creation and i was sitting there with the handbook in front of me flipping through the pages on my phone and he had the handbook open on the computer in front of him so i could see exactly where he was because we were right about the same spot so i'd be like oh yeah i just read that page and he would ask a question regarding something that was mentioned like a paragraph lower in there than where he likely was oh and he'd be like Like, hey michael how does da 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 and i'd be like river Read the book. You're right there. <laughs> That's surprising so like, considering knowing how River is. Um, he's just such an immersive guy whenever he gets into something. Yeah. For him, it wasn't so much that he wasn't immersed. It was that the question popped in his head, so he immediately answer, asked it before finding the answer a paragraph later. He's the kid that all teachers hate. <laughs> so, but like, so that was... That's that's one of my biggest things for new players is read, read. The book. like yeah ask questions absolutely ask questions but read through everything first and then be like okay I don't understand this how does this work now that can be tough because there's a lot of stuff in the book and the book in my opinion I don't know how popular this is of an opinion this would be but in my opinion the book can get kind of wordy. It can. Um, I think it's got some fluff in there that you can cut back some things like I wish they had. Uh, a dummy's guide to D and D that Wizard of the Coast published, and that was just like these. Maybe they do have it. I just haven't read it, but it was I just like this one. very basic, um, Cliff Notes version of of how to play D and D and what to understand about it, and like certain mechanics like spell casting and stuff. Because that's the stuff that gets complicated. Um, and when you're reading through the books and the guides and stuff, they get really like, um. I don't have an example on my on the top of my head, but there's a lot of passages where it'll be like, uh, EX, you're starting a combat phase, so you roll a d20 and you roll a 7, therefore you're at this page, this spot in your turn, and so when it comes to your turn, you have an action, a reaction, blah, 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 and it, it'll go through everything, whereas the player just needs to know, what can I do, what can I not do, yeah. what are these actions, and <laughs> how many of them do I have? Yeah, they didn't... Uh they weren't super good at like giving definitions first before putting them into text. Um, that is something that wizards definitely could have done better. Um, but like reading through at least just the basic, like how to play first and then asking questions and trying to figure things out, is going to make things a little bit easier on both you and the person that's trying to explain it. Cause I know I've tried to explain it to people that haven't read anything. And a lot of times, like my thought process bounces around a lot because I'm constantly like thinking about different things. And so I'll get about halfway through a thought and then be like, ooh, actually, it's easier for me to explain this first. And then get halfway through that, like, ooh, actually, it might be easier for me to explain this first. And like, I end up like way down a rabbit hole from <laughs> no, what they were trying yeah. to answer because I have to explain this out. And then the, the, the yep, next thing. Yeah, because then the you catch yourself on all the stuff that needs to be like a prerequisite almost for yeah. what they need to understand. So the basic thing to understand uh, when starting is assuming you're using physical dice and not using some sort of online roller. 
um, is knowing what each die is and what it's used for in the game. There is so much. <laughs> so the die that you're going to use the most in D&D is a 20-sided die. It numbers 1 to 20. It, uh, You'll know that one based on the number of faces it has. Yep. It's the one with the most faces. Yep. Um, and most of the things that you're going to do anytime the DM says, roll me a insight check, make an attack roll, make a dex save, any kind of which we'll get into what those mean if you don't know what those mean in a minute. Um, they, those are all going to be rolls with the d20. Yep. <clears throat> So 20-sided die. From here on out, will be referred to as a D20. Uh, make that note. Ding. Um, and then from there, you've got your D12, 12-sided die. Yep. Uh, D10, <coughs> which there's two of them, one that's got two digits, one that's got one. Rolling both of them is what's usually referred to as a percentile roll or rolling a D100. Mm-hmm. Um, we can probably explain how that works but it'll definitely be easier if you can actually see what we're talking about so um we might skip over explaining how the d100 works any of these dice you'll recognize when you buy a dice set so all dice sets will come with one of each of these dice at least yep so you won't have to worry about buying the individuals unless you go to like a dice lot and they're usually like 25 cents 50 cents a pop and they're kind of weird don't do that just buy a dice set yeah you buy a dice set you you're go good to they're your... your game shop they're your comic yep. shop they're at any nerd store any sam goodies any i'm sure you'll be able to find them somewhere hit up your local game shop you'll find dice sets i promise if you can't find them you talk to the first person that works there and they'll be like oh yeah dice gotcha mm-hmm. <clears throat> um the second thing i would say is important for new players is to approach the dm of the game and figure out um, what their game is, yes. where it's set at, what time it's set in, and how they play the game. Yep. Because game that premise. will set your motivation, your background for your character, everything moving forward with your character is going to revolve around that DM's world. Yep. So you need to understand who the DM is and what world they're building. Yep. And that's... It's not like so for dms it is it's really nice for people to build characters that already fit in the setting and creation like the world that they've created or the setting or world that they're utilizing from a module um which we've mentioned what modules are in the past um this uh is not necessarily a requirement However, it'll definitely be easier for you to understand the mechanics if you already fit in than if the DM has to find special exceptions for you to fit in on top of understanding mechanics. Yeah. And Um, so the more work you put into your character, the easier it's going to be to make that character in every aspect. I promise you. But be careful on overworking on your character because also (laughs) you don't want to be the brand new player that comes in with a short story that's been written like a full-on novel that's been written about your character's background especially if you're starting at level one (laughs) the dm is going to be like i didn't read your background (laughs) they're yeah they're like they're going to either stamp it with a tldr or they're going to tell you that this is far too much information about your character to have as a level one fighter yeah so like, um but like, keep the, it simple but also put work in like yeah you know be creative 
Yeah. The more you, the more you lay into your character's background and who they are, um, it'll help and aid you with, uh, figuring out what kind of stats you want for that character. Now there's a way to play D and D to where you can make your character the most efficient. You make your character the most powerful. Mm. You make your character the best combination of race and background and skills that you can, um, and it's not always fun. There's a, exactly. There's a way you can do that for sure. But my advice personally, and this is just a personal thing. Some people love doing that, but in my opinion, it's always fun to think of a character in your head, whether it's a character you may have seen in the show, um, that you're basing that character off of, or an original character. Maybe if you wanted to write a story or something and you want to embody that character, make that character. And if that character is a human and they aren't great with anything or uh, or they're super dexterous, then make them super dexterous and they're human, you know? Um, make it a character that you like to play and you enjoy embodying because a lot of the fun in D&D is becoming that character while you play. Yeah. It's not always in the combat. Some people yep. are in it for solely the combat. Some are solely in role play. Um, but uh, let me tell you now, D&D's like... 60% role play, 40% combat, I feel like. I mean, it also kind of depends on the DM. Like, there are a lot of DMs. Like, some of them will just do all the combat encounters, and that's how they, they run D&D. It's yeah. go here, go there, do this, do that, fight that, fight this. Um, Danny has been very fortunate as to be a part of mm, several campaigns that have been a lot more focused on the story of the campaign than they are on combat. So he's gotten to enjoy like the role playing aspects and the the story that's been written for the players and stuff like that. Same with myself. I've been very fortunate to not really play a lot of combat focused uh, campaigns. Most of my campaigns that I've been uh, playing in have been very story oriented. So it's much less about how you fight this thing and more so about how you solve this puzzle. Mm hmm how you solve the problem for the town. Yeah. It's about being creative. Like Kevin said, Yeah, creative. Um, and then <laughs> insert, don't hug me. I'm scared in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then the other part of character creation would be taking that kind of ironed out, um, whatever you want that character to be. And then going into D and D mechanics. Now this yep. is where it gets the most complicated for me. Um, and I feel like most people is when you start getting to features and backgrounds and stat increases and what the hell do I do? How do I roll stats again? What is a standard array? Um, yep. What's point by like yep. there are multiple ways to play the game that uh, the creators have officially put out and there are multiple ways to uh, address those. So yep. Kevin, when you make a character and you finish the background and let's say you've picked a background for a character um, from so, D and D. So when I, when I create a character, mm -hmm. uh, I'll just take you through like the order of things that I complete when I do it. <clears throat> so, what I will do is I will start with actually picking the um, like the in in game, the in book background 
Yes. Based on the kind of character that I want to create. Yes. And in D&D, there is a list of backgrounds you can choose from for your character. You can yes. choose any of them as long as the DM allows you to. Yep. Um, you are allowed to pick any of them. It doesn't matter what race you are. I mean, they sometimes it won't make sense depending on the race you pick. But hey, sometimes that can be a really fun character. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's an actual list that you can pick from, right? Mm-hmm. And each of these gives you different proficiencies and... Um, equipment so we'll get to proficiencies yeah. basically they're just uh if you're profi- like if it's got a proficiency that means you're like if you gain that proficiency you are proficient with it which means that you're good at using it so you're going to gain a specific bonus based on that um these different backgrounds also have like they'll have what's known as a feature which is basically just a it's like a minor thing that your character can do that is affected like it affects the outside world or is affected by the outside world so for example um let's go with uh noble okay as a noble if you choose the noble background you gain uh proficiency with um now of course i'm gonna of course i'm going to forget off the top of my head even though one of the characters that i'm currently playing is a noble yeah, I suppose we should have pulled up some examples. I, I know, right? Examples. Would have been a good idea for us to, you know, be smart, but... I can grab... So, got it. Noble. So, you get proficiency in the history and persuasion skills. You get to choose one type of gaming set, one language of your choice. And for equipment, you receive... Excuse me. You receive a set of fine clothes, a signet ring, a scroll of pedigree, and a purse containing 25 gold pieces. And then the feature is called the position of privilege. It says, thanks to your noble birth, people are inclined to think the best of you. You are welcome in high society, and people assume you have the right to be wherever you are. The common folk make every effort to accommodate you and avoid your displeasure, and other people of high birth treat you as a member of the same social sphere. You can secure an audience with a local noble if you need to. Basically, this means that as a noble, if you are wandering through a town and you get caught in a place where you're probably not supposed to be, you can absolutely take advantage of this, which a lot of DMs are going to require that you still, you know, put out some sort of role play on why you're okay to be there but essentially you can bank on the fact that you are a noble and of high standard for getting out of that situation especially if you're somewhere where you're well known or even a part of the area that you are a noble in and the Um, thing about these backgrounds too is it's going to leave a lot of um up to you kind of decisions like like, are you a noble? Like, what kind of crest does your ring have on it? Or does you do you have a family crest? And is it recognizable? Is it, are you rich? Are you poor? Are you whatever? Um, well, I guess you're a noble, so <laughs> you'd be rich. Yeah. But, you know, th- there's those kind of things that you can throw into manually when role playing um, that the DM will have to adapt to. Mm-hmm. And so while the DM may call the shots, they're kind of the ones that have to adapt to A, reading your background and understanding your character, and then B, responding to your responses to their questions um, and kind of adapting the story around that so that you get to play the character that you want. 
So the main reason why I pick the background first, a lot of people don't pick the background first because if you go in order in the player handbook, it has you, it goes through races first and then classes and then it goes to backgrounds. Interesting because mine goes straight to background first as well. My app, your app. Yeah. yeah. No, on the player handbook, it goes, it goes through. Yeah. That's interesting yeah. that they choose. That so way. I choose background first because the backgrounds, almost all of them have a set two proficiencies that you receive. Yeah. Like skill proficiencies. Mm-hmm. But when you create your character, your class has a list that you choose from. So I will pick a background one for what it does, like what it means to the character, how the character is, but two, so that I don't have to later make adjustments to my proficiencies because whoops, I picked my class. I picked these two proficiencies and then it turns out that my background already gives me one or both of them. So mm-hmm. now I need to pick two different ones or one different one or however many different ones. <laughs> so that's a big reason why I pick that one, as well as the fact that I try to make sure that the background fits the story that I've created for the character first and then create the rest of the character mechanically. Yep. Then I usually pick my uh, class. That's so funny because that's the way my the app that I have does it too. Yeah, background class. Yeah, I'll do background, then I'll do class because the big thing with class is like you want to figure out pretty quick. Like when you're making the character, you want to figure out what stats are going to be important to this character. Yep. Um. So basically, you have you have ability scores and you have skills. Your ability scores are ones that'll be determined by either dice roll or point by, as you know was mentioned previously. Um, and you will, um, you will assign numbers to one of the, uh, each of the six, uh, stats is kind of like fallout when you're like going through the, the special, um, except for instead of the, it's like, uh, strength, perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence, uh, agility, luck. Um, there is no agility. There is no luck. Are you are you so impressed that I remember those? No, I'm well. I'm impressed, but I'm not surprised. I also started playing Fallout Three on my PC like yesterday. So, uh, uh, anyway, you have strength, constitution, dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Uh, basically in that one strength is going to be all of your checks yeah. to lift things, to move things, uh, to get a, like get around things, any, uh, and then it's also strength is tied to the athletics skill. So your athletic skill is going to utilize your, uh, strength modifier. Plus if you get any bonus further from there, um, Constitution is going to be like uh, how well you handle toxins and stuff like that. So like uh, drinking. If you have high constitution, you've got less likelihood of getting drunk. And it influences the big thing. Your health points. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is a lot of people. So a lot of people, the first time they play, here's here's Kev tip number two. Bing. Uh, don't make 
constitution your dump stat. I know it doesn't seem like it does a lot because it's not tied to any of the skills and it doesn't seem to be mentioned a lot, but constitution should not be your dump stat because, and uh, when I say dump stat, usually when you make a character, you have at least one score out of your six ability scores That that is not very desirable. That one is going to go into one of the six categories anyway. So you have to decide which one is going to be, quote unquote, your dump stat. That is the one that gets the lowest number. You do not listen, listen very carefully. You do not want constitution to be your dump stat, because if that is the case, you are not going to have near as many hit points as you should. You're going to have a deficit on hit points and you will die. You're going to be squishy. Very squishy. Yes. Paper thin. Yes. Like, you are going to be as effective health-wise as the uh, the temporary shield on um, uh, Blackbeard in uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Your Saran Wrap. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Picking, picking your class... Uh, is relative to all of these these skills. Yeah, each class is going to utilize one to two on a regular basis. Uh, At stats least, yeah. Out of these six uh, six attributes, so the next is your dexterity. That's like your ability to move around and avoid things. Uh, this is going to affect uh, when your turn is in the turn order, because um, dexterity is the modifier that you utilize for initiative. Um, that's, it's going to affect, uh, how easy or hard you are to hit with attacks. So that's going to factor into your armor class or AC, um, as well as a handful of skills like, uh, acrobatics, stealth, sleight of hand. Yep. Quite a few. Yeah. And the term make a dex save or make a dex check is going to be heard very regularly. So you can make dexterity your dump stat, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> right. And I mean, you can play the game however you'd like, but these are very important to know because these stats revolve around core mechanics of the game. So these are stats that you should know uh, so that when someone yep. says, do you want a 16 in dexterity when they're helping you make your character, you probably want to say yes. Or <laughs> at least if you don't want to get hit a lot, you might want to say yes. Or if you want to be able to not get killed by a trap, you probably want to say yes. Yep. And all that will factor into what kind of character you're making and how yep. you want them to act. So if you're making an agile, nimble character who's super athletic and can dodge a lot of stuff quickly, you probably want your your deck stat to be fairly high. Maybe some of your strength. Um, so even though you're just looking at numbers on a paper and you're trying to look at what skills that those numbers influence, those numbers will be core to your character in terms of who they are. Yep. So then we move on. That was the... Uh, these, these six are usually broken up into two two categories by more experienced players you're known as the they're known as the body stats and the mental stats dexterity strength and constitution those are your body stats so now we're moving on to the mental stats starting with uh wisdom wisdom as a lot of people know 
is while intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, wisdom is knowing not to put tomato in a fruit salad. There you go. Easiest way to put it. Um, wisdom is like the second most common casting ability, I believe. I believe it goes charisma, then wisdom, then intelligence. I think because druids. I could be wrong on that. Because druids are wisdom and clerics are wisdom and um, paladins are either wisdom or charisma. I want to say they're charisma, though. Uh, my thing has a little cheat sheet. Yeah, charisma. Um, most casters are charisma. That That's the most, most common. Monks are wisdom as well. Wow, so yeah, yeah they're monks. all most of them are wisdom, I think, except say monks monks don't really cast much. No, but they um, do have a and lot then, that attributes to wisdom. Yeah. All of the like half caster classes in um in the martial classes, they all use intelligence because they do stuff off the wizard side. But like wizard is the main intelligence caster. Wizard and artificer. <laughs> and then um yeah, so wisdom wisdom is going to be, you know, uh, insight checks, de- determining whether or not somebody's lying. Um, it's going to be, it's utilized for your perception. Your perception is like your head's up looking at everything. Um, so if you don't want to be snuck up on and you have crappy wisdom. Yep. Sorry, bud, but you're fucked. Uh, detecting and hearing things is like a perception check. So if something yep. happens in the background and they have, and uh somebody asked do i hear this dm is gonna ask you to make a perception roll and they're either gonna well they're either gonna well, make you yeah. make a perception check or they're gonna ask what is your passive perception uh that one's very common because technically so the way that they the reason why they put the passive perception in there as well as like normal perception is your passive perception is technically when you're not actively looking it's just kind of what you're aware right. of around you. Right. It's, but in an your, instance where the player yeah. goes, um, do so I like, hear this? It'd be like, if you're trying distance. to listen in on it, you'd make a perception check. If you're just present and you go, do I hear this? That's passive perception because yeah. you're not actively listening for it. You're just there. Right. So that, that kind of thing. Um, it also, you know, affects your uh, nature checks and animal handling. I mean... Which, those don't get used <laughs> very often. Like, there's a lot of games where, like, animal handling, nature, never even get used. Like, I mean, you see not a lot really. Of, you see a lot of athletics and acrobatics. You see a lot of perception. You see uh, investigation, depending on the DM. There are a lot of DMs that will just do perception checks even when it technically should be an investigation which i mean it's totally up to the dm like sometimes the DM there's wants just to do it that sometimes way, it's either one or the other kind of a check yeah. and you just have to make a decision and then like you'll see a handful of like stealth and sleight of hand those are like the most commonly used ones yeah but you've also got history insight um survival nature like there's a whole bunch of other ones and they do come up so don't fully disregard these but do note that they're not necessarily going to be the most common <coughs> um moving on to your intelligence obviously intelligence is your your smarts how smart you are um i would heavily advise for a new player that is not 
they don't. Mm, how do I say this? They're, for someone who is not necessarily. God, what are you I'm, trying to say? Like, what I'm you... trying to I'm trying to say it in a way that doesn't sound rude because it like it kind of is, but it also kind of isn't. If you are not good at puzzles and problem solving and stuff like that, mm. I would not advise playing a high intelligence character because in instances where you are the person that should be relied on in the game, you are not necessarily going to be able to perform. Yeah, you will if you're be... a new player. When you're a when you're a more experienced player, it's a lot easier to feign intelligence. Yes. Like I think I think that's the nicest AKA best Kevin way is I can saying, explain If you this. are dumb, do not play an intelligent character. <laughs> I was not trying to do that, but like if okay, we'll we'll, we'll make a D&D analogy. If in IRL you are like if if in real life your intelligence on the the 1 to 20 scale should be about a 6, and you are just starting out in D&D and you have decided that you want your score to be an 18 in intelligence, I would not advise this. Unless you are really, really good at improvising already and coming up with random stuff that sounds smart already, I would not advise this. It does not work out well for people when they are not... When they are not decent, like... Now, okay... I would say that that's almost a preference thing, though, because and only because you you do have an option as the DM. If someone is your DM, they do have the option to and you did this in your campaign once <laughs> to say, hey, make an intelligence check really quick. And they roll the D20 in a puzzle that everybody is stumped on. And then yep. you do something that says that their player kind of just figured something out. Yeah, you could you do can that. Give them a hint like that. It's but if you're yeah. if you're really trying to get immersed into the experience and you're really trying to play a character that's good at being smart and you just are not a puzzle person or you just like for me example example like me I I am not that kind of person. You can give me an anagram and I might be able to figure it out. But you start throwing random stuff into a room and expect me to piece it all together like quickly, not going to happen. It's going to take me hours to do that. So I'm not going to be playing that high intelligence character who the party is going to rely on to figure things out. Again, like I said, once you've got experience, you can feign the intelligence decently well or you know when to ask the DM like, hey, can I make an intelligence check to try to figure this out? There you go. Yeah, you're right. But like when you're a newer player... It's a lot easier to play within your realm to understand things because if you're trying to play an a twenty intelligence play character and you're not not there, it's it's really hard and it kind of gets frustrating for both you and for the DM to try and figure out how to make that work. So, like, you're going to enjoy the experience more and the DM is going to want to keep inviting you back if you play within your realm to start, just just to get the hang of the game. Yeah, you're going to have, and you'll have more fun doing that, too. Mm-hmm. You will have more fun playing the character you created and that you can embody. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, moving on from intelligence, you've got, uh, finally, charisma. your charisma. 
which a lot of people think that charisma is like useless how attractive you are they also think it's kind of useless if you're not a caster well yeah (laughs) yeah but and charisma also some people think that charisma is just um smooth talking yeah it's not it plays a role but it's not you can be extremely charismatic and not be able to smooth talk for shit um it's just kind of charisma is kind of like it's kind of like your magnetism it's how well you draw people to you and in what way right like if you're a high charismatic person you're gonna be that guy at the bar that people are gonna feel good being around yeah they're gonna want to talk to you you don't necessarily have to be extremely talkative you don't have to be extremely attractive but maybe that barkeep is gonna look at you and be like hey you know there's a there's a guy over there that might need some of your help or something, whatever yeah. DM can concoct. But And so, and of course this does then affect, uh, you know, different speech skills. So your charisma is also going to be tied to skills like, uh, persuasion, deception, uh, performance, things like that. Yep. Um, a lot of people, honestly, the two most common dump stats that I see in more veteran players is, Charisma, if they are a martial class, or strength, if they are a casting class. Yeah. Those tend to be the dump stats that people pick. Um, I personally, if I'm going to do a dump stat, usually my dump stat, if if I am a caster, yeah, a lot of times, depending on what I've built, a lot of times, yeah, my dump stat will be strength. But I'll also design ways around that so I can still be combative generally um if i'm playing a martial class actually a lot of times i'll pick intelligence because i want to stay perceptive and i want to try to talk my way through things so yeah. i'll just be kind of dumb that's what i was thinking is usually mine if i'm not a ca- like usually mine is intelligence is my go-to for dump stat um just because uh you're i mean lo- sometimes you'll get lucky you'll roll for stats and you'll get like Oh, nice yeah. solid 14s across the board and oh, you're yeah. like sweet nothing's really a dump but i mean if you're doing point by like especially point by yeah. um i always throw it in intelligence just because i'm not usually i don't have to be the one to investigate there's usually other people in the party who can do stuff like that mm-hmm. there's usually somebody who's playing a caster who can use intelligence or um, an artificer or something like that so i usually use intelligence as my dump stat as well that's another thing is keeping in mind uh, the other people in your party because keeping in mind the other people in your party will help you figure out how useful you're going to be with whatever it is that you're putting into your stats. So if you're making a barbarian and you are in a cla- in a party full of casters, your stat and strength is going to be really important. <laughs> like it's going to be extremely important because their stats probably aren't going to be very high. They're probably going to make strength or dumb stat like you said, and you're probably going to be the one doing the literal having lifting mm-hmm. um and then same thing with dexterity sometimes they don't make very dexterous uh casters and so you're going to be the one feigning the traps you're going to be the one going for the switch going for the lever um kind of jumping the cavern yep. uh just doing a lot of stuff like that so knowing your party is another big thing to uh, yes. starting your campaign and that all happens usually in the same room of the people that you're playing with you usually don't make a character on your own until you get 
like Kevin, for example, who knows just about everything off the back of his hand and can make a character in less than a minute. <laughs> I, yeah, I've reached the point where generally a campaign comes out and I will have two or three ideas in my head for what I want to make. And then I will like feel out the room and I'll understand what everybody else is doing and I'll go, okay, this one fits that perfectly. This is what I'm playing. Yeah. Now, sometimes like with uh, your campaign, actually, I just go, nope, this is what I want to play and this is what I'm going to play. And that's fine. <laughs> and Yeah. And then, like, honestly, it fit your world so well, it didn't make sense to make something else. Yeah. There like, you go. Even if it inconvenienced the party by not being there, like, honestly, yeah, we could use an extra healer. Like, for real, if I'd have tried to play a cleric with you, like, it probably would have been a good idea, but, eh, fuck it. So moving on from the individual stats, that plays into picking your class. Yes. We finally made it to step three yes. or two. Step two. Yeah. So picking your class. Uh, why don't Why don't you field this one? All right. Well, sure. Uh, <laughs> I have a little cheat sheet, so that'll help me out a little bit. So picking your class, there are a basic list of classes. And correct me if I am outdated, but this is the one my app shows me. I have an app. Um, that I make my characters in. It's super easy. It's called 5e character on Android. It is not on Apple. Um, sorry, iPhone users. So the oh, class say, yours list... Yours is probably a 5e character sheet because I know 5e character, same or, yes, creator, is 5e uh, character the sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, there's another one called 5e character and it just has it's got information classes, about races, characters. It's got classes, backgrounds, and feats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I use that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the character classes are or the classes are listed as Artificer, Barbarian, Bard, Cleric, Druid, Fighter, Monk, Paladin, Ranger, Rogue, Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard. Yes, sir. All in alphabetical order, that was. Yes, um, it was. Now, this is incredibly central to your character because it's going to be how you handle combat and um, context fun. situations. So if you are a, uh, a bard, for example, let's say you're a bard. You want to pick a bard? You are generally going to be um, some kind of performer artsy character. It doesn't mean you always have to be music in, uh, endowed. Um, you can be an artist as a bard. You could make pictures. You could be, uh, you, I mean, if you're doing like a steampunk thing, you could be a mechanic as a bard, somebody who's just very inclined and artistic with mechanics and knows yeah. a lot about vehicles or, or something like, like that. Or be like a welder. Exactly. Yeah, or a welder, make someone like who makes art. art. Yeah. Um, just someone who's creative, um, this one says an, an inspiring magician whose power echoes the music of creation. It doesn't have to be music, obviously, but it could be anything. Um, uh, I've actually, uh, one person that I played with, they created a, uh, or they multiclassed into Bard as a paladin. And their, like, utilization of uh, inspiration when they, like, granted inspiration to other players was actually them calling out, like, encouragement or battle strategy. Mm-hmm amid combat and that was how they like role play very their, cool they're giving us so like they were like a motivational speaker it's like what they did see that's a, awesome yeah yeah and a bard is kind of like one of those classes that's more supportive of the other characters yes um, they can do some good damage but yeah they've yeah. got a lot of buff spells um and so when you pick your class, um, whatever you want to do, you want to figure out, do I want to fight a lot? Am I going to be the first one to run into a battle and just try to hack away at the enemy? Am I going to be the guy that kind of stays, stays back and shoots from the shadows like a ranger would? Am I going to be, you know, the guy who casts a bunch of spells to support the party and to lift them up or do damage from a distance? Um, 
And once you figure out that, then you pick your, your class and the class will also have skills that you are uh, proficient in. So a class will come with its own passive abilities. Now the, uh, the skill list is pretty long. You have acrobatics, animal handling, arcana, athletics, deception, history, insight, intimidation, investigation, medicine, nature, perception, performance, persuasion, religion, slate of hand, stealth, and survival. Now that's a lot. Yes, sir. That's a ton of, that's a ton of uh, <laughs> skills a that you can learn in D&D. Depending on how high your dexterity is, that will affect how high of a bonus you get in an acrobatics check. And so that's how the skills all relate. I suggest, heavily suggest, uh, having a character sheet either pulled up online or having one physically because those character sheets will show you what of your main skills, your three body and three mind skills will attribute to what uh, those other skills get. Um, so for acrobatics, it will say decks in parentheses so that you know that you're checking your deck skill. Yep. Um, so when you create a character, you pick, you, um, so depends on the type of class. So some classes yeah. will give you a proficiency in three skills. Some will give you proficiency in two. Um, and you, I think it's most of them are two and then like Bard is three and Rogue is four. Yeah. So you want to pick skills that will enhance your character's class. Um, things that you think your character would be good at. So again, if it's a Bard, you probably want to be good at persuasion. Maybe I would think so. Maybe definitely uh, performance, performance a hundred percent. That way, when you choose to do whatever art you're good at, you excel at doing that thing. And then you could probably pick another one, just something something safe like perception if you want. Um, depending on do bards use wisdom? Uh, I don't charisma. believe so. I know they're charisma. charisma casters. So then you could also pick something in charisma. Um, yeah. I think persuasions in charisma. So um, so yes, once you pick is. all that, you pick your uh, you pick your your skills that you're proficient in, and then you also get an equipment list uh, of things that you can choose from uh, to start out with. Usually that's ironed out with the DM. Yeah. They'll just tell you what you start with or, you know, you get a pack or something like that, like an explorer's pack with rope, a lantern, food, stuff like that. It's really going to depend on the DM if they want to keep track of if everyone's got, you know, food for the night, stuff like that. Um, for me, that just kind of gets monotonous. I don't like doing it. I know. I like I've I've contemplated trying to like have everyone keep track of rations, keep track of rations, keep track. And I'm like, you know what? It's not even worth it. Like, I mean, your party would ideally they'd be smart enough to. <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh, I don't know. It's one of those like some. some it's a DMs realism thing. Really on it. Like, yeah, it's it's it is a realism thing. That's it's one bit of the game that honestly I'm not the biggest fan of just because of the fact that's like, yeah, we do need to eat. That's absolutely true. They do need to eat. But I mean, most of the time when they go to the tavern, what do they do? They role play eating every time. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're going to pack rations. Sure, I'm not charging them for them because I'm not making them go buy rations every time they go out for a trip. But these are the same people that also make sure that you're not over your carry limit. And if you dump statted strength you're going to have to pick between the armor that's going to get you, you know, get you to the next place without uh, dying or enough rations to make it to the next place. And I just, yeah. Managing equipment is never fun. Yeah. And I wouldn't. And it's, again, it's another realistic realism thing with monotony and it really just depends on the DM. Some, some enjoy playing that way. I just don't personally. I just think it's a bit 
bit too much hoo-ha. Um, it's, it's just honestly like it's not even fully like that I don't like using it. It's more so that it's just another thing for me to keep track of. Yeah. Like being a DM is already scary. You've already got so much to keep track of and you're always worried that somebody's going to have a problem with this side or the other thing. You're always like, you always have to be on your toes while you're going too, because you have to remember what everybody's doing and you have to, uh, roll with the punches when they decide that they want to talk to punchy, the goblin, instead of the guy that you left there for them to actually get the quest from. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there, there's so much that goes into it. Um, yeah. So picking your class is, part of that flushing out your character you'll you'll start to see your character kind of take its own form once you get the background and the class picked um you'll get an idea of like okay my guy is a my guy is a you know he was a tough dude growing up and now he just knows fighting he was a fighter all his life and so his class is fighter and he's going to be the first one to jump into a fight as soon as somebody talks some shit you know, he's going to be the first one there. And yeah. so if so, if the party's in trouble, he'll be the first one to jump in. So um, with that, you'll also get your own set of skills and features. And those are all listed in the book under that class. Um, that is yep. going to be your role as a player to write them down, yes. to remember them and to use them accordingly. We could yes. probably get into that in another episode because there's so many and so there much goes into it in combat that I think we should just touch on it another time. The but it is your responsibility as a player to read that, be informed and know how to play your character. The biggest thing to remember as a player is yes, the DM is the rule maker and the person who narrates the story, so on and so forth, but they are not your babysitter. They yeah. are not responsible for remembering your abilities that go off. Yeah. So you absolutely, without a doubt, need to make sure that you find some way to keep track of your abilities so you don't forget about them. Mm -hmm. Write them down, whether, yep, you know, put them on an app, yep, whatever it has to them do. Down. I, I personally use the Fight Club 5 application for D&D 5th edition. Uh, it's probably one of the best resources that I've uh, ever come across. Uh, as far as, like, character creation, ease, and keeping track of things goes um but also i've seen people that will get the pdf of the player handbook and whatever other book that their stuff is from and they will then on their computer they will like uh clip uh using like the windows capture tool um and they will clip uh each the of the different yeah. pieces that are for us so like their spells their abilities so on and so forth and then they'll compile it into like a word document and print those off so they've got them in physical copy um yep. some dms are not a fan of having electronics at the table when you play because they're not necessarily required but honestly they're super helpful yeah um <clears throat> that's uh yeah big so thing is just way, be prepared with yeah. your stuff like know your stuff you don't have to have it memorized just if you aren't memorizing it have it available and honestly i wouldn't memorize it just because a lot of times the dm doesn't have it memorized and they're not going to take the time to look it up when you mention it they're just going to ask you if they can see it most of the time so, they're going to trust you <laughs> yep so like the easiest way for you to be prepared is to have it on hand in some way shape or form whether it's digitally or physically yeah and so you, that way when the dm asks you can just go here this is it boop yeah you don't want to take that chance of describing what your thing does and then everyone kind of looks at you like that doesn't sound right 
And then everyone takes a moment and they stop and then the DM goes through the book and then they go through the book. They won't do it every time, but yep. if it if you get it way off the mark, they might double check you. And if you got it wrong, they're going to be like, ah, bro, you got to watch that, you know. Um, so, yeah, knowing knowing your character's abilities, features and uh, just anything within your character's class is going to be on you as a player. So just know that going into it, D&D does take investment. <laughs> you have to read, which sucks because I hate reading when making a character. I wish it was just something I could plug and play really quickly. But once you get it down, you will have almost everything down uh, unless you're playing a caster and then it gets complicated. <laughs> um, so once you pick your class, uh, you can move on. <laughs> to your race or at least in this order that we're doing it and you don't have to do it it in this order at all but yeah uh, feel free to do whatever order i'm just this is the way that i do it that makes it easy for me yeah me too um and then finally yeah race the reason why i choose race last is because there's only a couple of minor little racial feats that you'll get from your character or like from the the choice that you make from your race the big thing to look at is the increase to your abilities so your strength constitution dexterity intelligence wisdom charisma um each race generally has um each one has you know an increase to two stats um in which case uh I'm sorry, my train of thought just, like, ran so itself right out yeah. the window. Oh, uh, so picking a race, a lot of people will generally make sure that they pick a race that's going to um, have racial bonuses that increase the proper stats for their character. Obviously, not at all a requirement. I've no. had plenty of times where I've purposely picked something that absolutely would not help me in doing the thing that I'm supposed to do with that character specifically because obviously you're not going to see a lot of that, which means that you're not going to, um, you're, you're going to see a lot of people that are like, well, that's weird. And then you get to have fun role playing like, oh well, yeah, but you know, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot, like, like we were saying earlier, a lot of people will take the proper race, the proper class, the proper background and make those all mesh together in perfect harmony to make a character that just absolutely destroys, um, which is okay. You can do the advice is generally by the people who made D and D and most other people out there is just to make a character you want to play. Yep. Just pick, pick something that sounds cool that you think would be interesting and that you want to add an interesting spin to and play that shit. Yep. Don't worry about the stats. Don't worry about the combat. You know, like, w- like as much warning as we can give and as much heads up we can give, if you want to make a character that is a, f- a wizard and you dump all of your points into strength and he is just this buff wizard that can cast and sometimes hit with your cast, by golly, you make that buff wizard. Sure. Um, and this is also, in my opinion, where a lot of the reading gets kind of heavy is because when you read into races and stuff, races have a lot of fluff in them. They have a lot of background behind each race, why they are, what they are, where they come from. And it kind of forges a background for you a little bit. So if you're brand new, it can help a lot with knowing like what an elf is and how they act. But in my opinion, this is where something like an app will help you out. Um, Like, for example, my app 
has the has the race Warforged right here, and it's super simple. Warforged may be made from wooden metal, but they can feel pain and emotion. Built as weapons, they must now find a purpose beyond the war. Bam. Clean and simple, very broad. You have an opportunity to um, take that clean slate and make it your own. Uh, and so really, you should you should just pick the race that you think sounds interesting or that you want to play. I don't think that the bat that the background behind the race or the the attributes are necessarily pivotal to your character. Um, races also have sub races for certain kinds of races. Um, yeah, on some of them, yeah, there are sub races, which that that kind of you'll still have to pick one if you choose a race with a sub race. Um, usually, it doesn't make a huge difference. A lot of it's uh, flavor text, um, but. Uh, a lot of the like major ones like elves and dwarves their sub uh sub races are going to have like a different uh racial bonus to abilities yep um so like a dwarf you can have a mountain dwarf and or they, a hill dwarf yeah or a hill dwarf or a duragar there you go and they they <laughs> add different uh stat bonuses to different skills and um from then on uh, you have a character who ha- who now has a personal background that you've created. You have a class that they're attributed to that you want them to orient to in combat and utility. And uh, when it comes to utility, you have a race, uh, what they look like, and generally how that race can act. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that. And now you get to do a really fun uh character creation thing, which is uh your stats. I think it's the most fun part, personally, because I roll for mine every time, because randomness is fun. So, so Kevin, it, describe the three ways that you can do stats. It kind of it kind of bounces around. So, yeah, you've got, like, your, uh, what they call a standard array. There's more than three, but yeah. Um, which is, uh, basically, it's, like, a, a list of six, uh, six numbers that's what your, your average uh, point by is likely going to look like anyway. Um, and then you can just take that standard array and put it into your six, uh, stat spots. Then you've got your point by basically, um, each number or like each number on the deal is assigned a value. You have X number of points to distribute. You, you start at all tens and you can decrease or increase each of the stats, so that you end up with zero points left at the end. Um, this one takes a little bit more. Like, I suggest thinking. new players stay away from point yeah, by. Yeah, I wouldn't touch point that by unless you do. have an app that'll actually guide you through it. Like my Fight Club app, if you do point by, it actually shows you how many points you have left, and it'll tell you if you go to negative, if you go to positive. Like it'll make adjustments. Right. And uh, you also, when you do a point by, you can't have a stat lower than eight and you can't have a stat higher than 15 on the point selection. Yeah. Which that's where it makes point by kind of crappy in my opinion, but eh, you know. Um, And then finally, there's the most preferred way of selecting stats. Most people enjoy this one the most, and that is rolling for your stats. Uh, There's two ways that this is done. The most common way, though, is rolling four D6s, six-sided die, and then dropping the lowest of the four, and that is your your score for each one. You do it six times, and that's it. Um, 
Most DMs that I know will have you roll two sets and then you pick one. Uh, some DMs will only let you roll one set and you keep it. I've also had DMs that will have you roll just three D6 and you just keep the three. That's what it adds up to. That's it. Boom. That goes in your thing. I was talking to someone recently who did uh, 2d6 plus 6 hmm. so that you couldn't get below, I think, a 10. Get below an 8. Or an 8. Yeah. yeah. So then that way, the lowest that you could have is an 8, um, which is closer, again, to the standard array point by thing. Uh, but with potential of being higher because, yeah. you know, you roll two sixes, you got an 18. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you could get a really high stat. Yeah. Um, so That's there are multiple cool. ways DMs could do it. There are a yeah. lot of different variants. You can look them up online as well and run it by your DM. If you find an interesting way to run to roll for stats, just ask the DM. I had I had a DM one time say we're gonna roll two, and if you don't like those two, you can roll another one, but you have to take it. You can keep rolling another one until then, but you can't go back to any of them. So legitimately, he had stated that if I wanted to, I could sit there and keep rolling until I got a stat array that was of my liking. But if I chose to go on to the next one, then I then you could go not backwards. go back. So why wouldn't you just wait till you got all like 18s? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was like, you realize with some of the people in this group, one of them, I will guarantee you is going to spend an hour rolling stats, right? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're going to need to put a limit on that because there's going to be somebody That's a little too high yeah. who's going to roll two stats, not like them, roll the third one. And keep rolling 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 and keep rolling. Yeah. Because they're not going to be satisfied with it until they end up with something that's like 18, 18, 17, 16, 10, 15. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know about that one. (laughs) I mean, again, the DM's the the rule maker of the game, but like, choose your games you know pick on, whatever game you want to be on in. that one i rolled two sets and i picked one of the two yeah, <laughs> and there that you was go. It. i was like ah, i'm good with that that'll work uh and so when you roll for your stats the way stats work is we talked about the three body and the three mind central core stats to the game the way those work is that you get a bonus to your checks remember that d20 uh dice that we talked about earlier that you roll uh so if your dm asks you to make a strength check you roll that d20 then you check your strength stat And your strength stat, depending on the value, will give you a bonus to that d20. So the bonuses uh, go up for every two digits. So it starts at 10. Base is usually 10 if you go with like standard array um, or uh, just if you're just talking about like base stats, you want to lay out a base for a character. It starts out at 10, which means you have a plus zero to whatever that is. So if your strength is 10, you have a plus zero. Go up to strength of 12, you have a plus one. A strength of 14, plus two, and so on. Um, which means when they ask you for that strength roll, you if you have a 14 strength, you get a plus two. Um, pretty straightforward with the bonuses. That will also contribute to things like your AC. Kevin t- uh, talked about that earlier with Dex. For things like unarmored defense, that's an ability that barbarians and I think monks and maybe dwarfs might have. Don't get no? it, no. Okay. So monks and barbarians for sure, though. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a class thing. It's not a race thing. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah monks and barbarians and... 
No, it'd be a home. That's right. If they got it. It's just the monks and the barbarians. Yeah. So they have a thing called unarmored defense, uh, in which your dexterity just contributes to your AC along with your constitution, uh, so that you don't need to have to wear armor. That's pretty much it. Um, other than that, uh, you will be good to bring your character to your DM and let them look it over for approval. Generally, stat rolls are done in the presence of said DM. Uh, along with other players uh, during a what's called usually a session zero that can either be a character creation session or it can be a prologue to the campaign where everyone kind of tries everything out and gets used to it um, so from there on you confirm with your dm you say does this all look good to you um, depending on the dm they might they might run you through some stuff they might make some adjustments or talk to you about your character's background but for the most part your character is done you just have to worry about keeping track of what you have, um, keeping in mind your backstory, your classes, your features, your abilities, stuff like that, which you should all have written down. Um, now, of course, if you're a caster, you've got spells to select. Um, if you chose one of the classes that gets its subclass at level one, then you've got a subclass to select. But... It's all tough. I think yeah. we can get into all that later. Subclasses are... Yeah. That's, that's a little why, trickier. They're a bit more pertained to combat, and I think that we might touch on those a little later. That's Art. why uh, Kev's pro tip number three bing, is that when you are first starting, I highly, highly suggest, now obviously do whatever you want, but I highly, highly suggest that you start with a martial class like a barbarian, a fighter, or a rogue. Yeah. Um. You could go ranger for the first one, but rangers do have some spell casting. They are half casters, so that I went with ranger my first kind of yeah. <laughs> like it just kind of depends on you know how quickly you pick things up. But I would not go any further higher in the magic realm than a half caster, which is going to be a ranger or a um like a paladin, um or monk. Yeah, ranger or paladin. Monks technically aren't casters. No. Oh, they don't. Um, no, you're right. They have like monk key points or yeah. whatever. They don't really cast. And then, uh, you know, you've also got the half casting that is a fighter that goes arcane and not arcane archer, uh, Eldritch Knight. And um, if you go uh, Trickster Rogue, they also get spell casting. So and they those become a half are caster. subclasses. Yes. That's but what a that, subclass is. On those two, they don't start until level three. So you won't have to worry about that at level one. Yeah. So by then you should start having a grip on your character, sort of. Also, Kev Pro tip number four, Bing. If you're a new player, don't join in on a on a game where you're starting above level one. Seriously, you should start at level one on the first It's going to be the easiest way to manage everything. It's so much harder to keep track of everything, and most of the people that you're playing with, if you're starting above level one, are likely going to be experienced players, which means they're going to have insight on how to do things a whole lot better than you do, which means that they're probably going to end up leaving you behind with their experience. So I very much so suggest only starting with a first level campaign um if you can if the dm was willing to do it i would also try to stay only in the player handbook and not branch out into any of the expansion stuff for your first time um 
Uh, Danny's over here shaking his head. Yeah, I wouldn't do it either. I would. It's called okay. Unearthed Arcana, and well, not or, not just Unearthed Arcana, but like, like also any of the other books. Like the I would stick with just the player handbook yeah. for the first time, just because everything's. It's very simple. It's very cut and dry for the most part in those books. In that first little bit, and there's have still plenty that you can do. There's a lot, and especially if you're new, you're not going to want to do more. <laughs> there's already a ton you're going to be able to do. Um, the player handbook is pretty versatile. Um, and oh, and that also leads us into later on when you start doing things like in combat or checking things or have a role to play in some kind of room or situation, you're going to be. If you're with a bunch of experienced people, their turns are likely going to go faster than your turns, and you're going to feel like you're holding some people up. Most people will understand you're brand new. you got to mm-hmm. learn. That's totally fine. It's going to help a lot to read over your stuff while other people are doing the things that they're doing. Yep. Uh, and just make sure that the DM knows that you want a turn to do something if it's not like a combat. Um, just yeah, look over your stuff while other people are doing stuff. It's going to help a ton for everybody that way. Yeah. Outside of combat, do not be afraid to pipe up and be like, hey, can I try doing this? Mm-hmm. At that point, it's the DM's job to kind of juggle everybody and figure out who does what when. And I mean, hey, if the players don't like it, they don't like it. <laughs> uh, from there, I think that's about it for just making your character. From there on, it's really just about um, how you want to play. Uh, figuring out things with the DM, talking to them. Really, I th- I th- I really tried to stress this because Philip is in our group and he's in my game. It's his first time in an actual campaign, 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 mm-hmm. campaigns. Um, and I really tried to stress to him because he said that he had some things last session that he wanted to um, like make sure of and ask and try to do. And so really, if you're a new player, definitely use the DM to your advantage. So if if you don't want like if somebody pipes up and they kind of force you to do something and you don't want to do it straight up, ask your DM, do I have to do that? And DM's going to tell them, no, you don't have to do that. You do whatever you want. You're your own character. So don't get pushed around by other players just because they might be more experienced or because they might know what to do in a certain situation. or They have an idea of what they want to do. Pipe up to your DM and say, like, hey, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to go do this thing instead. I mean, you might hear moans and groans, but, hey, it's the way you want to play and it's how you play your character. Um, So use the DM to your advantage as a player. They're the ones who make the rules, despite what the rulebook will say um, in a mechanic or ruling. Say that's it is their game. That's the big thing. We've mentioned it in a previous episode, but the really big thing about the DM work with your DM because officially in the rules it says that the DM's rulings supersede the rules of the book at all times. So if the DM says no, that does not work, but the book says yes, it does, it does not work. Yep, and it, I mean, and just really making sure you know who the DM is before you decide to play that game because if the dm is somebody who you just don't agree with fundamentally on a lot of stuff you might have some moments in the game where you look at the dm and you're like you know what this might have been a mistake because i'm a very by the book kind of guy and like it says my class does x y and z and i want to do x y and z and the dm just said no you can't do any of that there might be a problem there, so just make sure you know who you're playing with and run everything by them. There's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with anyone playing the way they want to, uh, just as long as you 
um, make that clear beforehand. Um, because generally D and D is a commitment and it kind of hurts everybody if somebody hops out mid game. Yep. Um, and, uh, I mean, in our, our group's case, everybody takes time off work for our sessions generally. Well, sometimes we either work around work yeah, schedules, yeah. but in my case, I had a couple people it. take time off work for my campaign. And so that's a commitment I make to them as a DM and that they make to the group. Yeah. So it's important for me as a DM to adapt to their play styles and for them to understand this is how I'm going to run my game. This is how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, and if they're not okay with that, then they should examine that before they join the game. Absolutely. And I think for the most part, you got it from there on. Yeah. Uh, you got to iron out things like combat and other stuff like that. We can touch on that another time, but you are ready to join a campaign after you've done all of the previously said things. Congratulations. You've, you've joined D and D officially. Um, and there's, there's so many cool combinations. Like the, <laughs> the more you stick it out, like honestly, the more you play, the more you're going to want to play. Exactly. <laughs> That's the fun part about D and D and something I think that, when you think of D and D like the, like you said, media portrays it like the, you know, stranger kids things, dressing up the whole nine and people think it's just this weird nerdy thing people do in their forties. I think that that's where people kind of get caught up and they don't want to play. But when they sit down, they actually give real D and D a shot. You realize it's this really freeing moment where you get to kind of exit the world that you're in like reality that you're in and you get to kind of be a part of something that you have total freedom over for a moment. It's kind of like going back to when you're a kid and you just get to do whatever you kind of have that moment. So, you know, take that and run with it. Use D and D as a pastime, an escape, something to just relax with. Um, and just to have fun with people. That's all it's about is having fun. Yeah. So that's all I got um yeah that's um i think we went over just about all the basics yeah that's that's pretty much yeah that's pretty much the basics there um i mean basics on creating anyways um and i'm sure that's probably about as much time as we got huh we're probably sitting yep. about an hour and a half we're, aren't we? we're just about there yeah, yeah five minutes to go but hey um yeah i mean for the most part that that pretty much covers it for me that kind of covers all of my um I have no more last minute tips or anything. Most I can't really of my think tips, of anything. Yeah. I, oh, oh, oh. Big, big one. Something that I absolutely <laughs> wish that somebody had told me ahead of time. Yeah. And sometimes people will tell you ahead of time. And you'll just ignore it because you're like, nah, I don't need to. I'll remember. Seriously, it, especially on your first campaign, write notes. You are going to forget the name of oh, every good, important good NPC. I don't care how good your memory is. You will forget the name of every important NPC. And the only person you're going to remember is punchy from the, from the tavern, the little goblin that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. There's a high possibility. The DM's going to look at you and go, I'm not going to remind you. Your character should know who this is. Yep. And so if you stumble and fall while you're your character, they're going to let you make a mistake or two. Or they'll go, Oh, well, why don't you make a history check to see if you remember? And if you don't roll well enough, you don't remember. 
you're screwed. That can turn into a whole mess. <laughs> yep. So seriously. Write some notes, man. Bring a notebook or a handful of pieces of paper, something. Even if you're just like, you open up a Word document on your phone and you yep. just write down the names of NPCs and where you met them. Even if that's the only notes you take, seriously, take notes. I mean, Danny knows that I am a firm believer in note taking because most of my characters have like journals that they fill out or something. My current character in his game has like a full out research notebook. So I have sketches of enemies and all kinds of other notes and stuff like that. It's very, very detailed. It's super cool. That's kind of me being extra, but you know. But you mean you can get there eventually when you start playing D&D if you like it, you get there eventually, you know? Yep. Um, So yeah, notes is a huge thing. Um, Be ready to do some writing or some typing. And keep in mind that the person useful, uh, this is just a side note as well for me, I guess, just a side tip. The person who's always useful in combat is not always the most useful in the party. Yep. Just remember that. Um, sometimes when you run a can or when you're in a campaign, it can kind of feel like you're left out because you're not doing a lot in combat or you're not doing a lot in a certain situation or puzzle. Just keep in mind that the that that's not the most useful and most influential part of a campaign. And if it is, then you might want to say something to the DM. You know. Honestly, you'll you'll most likely make your party happy as long as you fill a role. Doesn't matter what that role is. You could be the super combat person, or you could be the guy who talks everybody out of going to jail. Uh, you could be the person that's really good at picking on the locks, and you just get get everybody into any way that you want them to be. You could be the guy that somehow ends up amassing crazy amounts of money and just buys the party shit the entire time. Doesn't matter what role you take, but find a role, and that's going to be fun for you and everybody. Yeah. Um, it might be called Dungeons and Dragons, but it's really just role play. Yeah. Like it's really just kind of using it, your imagination. It's Skyrim with math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think... that usually turns people off when I say that, but I mean, it kind of <laughs> is, but at the same time, it's not like it's, it's a lot more it's than that. It's not that bad. I promise. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Like when I say with math, people are like, oh God, I have to do math. Like, it's basic addition for the most part. It's yeah. really not that hard and honestly with most of the apps and stuff that are available it's not even that hard to do it like most of it'll do the math for you yeah so i think with that said um we're out of time we're done um good luck (laughs) have fun sounds like we're gonna need another episode covering combat and we'll probably have to just have a handful of we might have a whole like section of D &D episodes that are just going over different things yeah i mean hopefully this was helpful hopefully if you're listening and you haven't tried DD before hopefully you get kind of a better idea of what to do like when someone approaches you asking to join your game or if you ask to join one let us know if we did a good job if we didn't um if you have more questions if you uh have anything you need help with um we and, would be lovingly willing to answer. Yep. And hopefully if you're a veteran D&D player, we didn't bore you to death with the specifics of character creation and all of that fun stuff because I know some people find the character creation process completely monotonous when they're trying to create like when they're starting a new campaign, but it was just, it's something that, you know, especially since D&D is getting popular. Yeah. 
people are going to want to hear it. So, you and, know, uh, hopefully and let us know veteran if players bared with us because, yeah, hopefully you'll be the people that are messaging us going, hey, uh, you, you didn't cover anything about thing. this. You didn't cover anything about that. Hey, uh, you were wrong about this, that, or the other thing. So yeah. totally cool with the corrections. I'm, I'm looking at Elliot and Josh because they're the ones who keep regularly uh, <laughs> emailing. We appreciate your emails. We appreciate we are your reading emails. Them. We are reading yes. them, by the way. I haven't responded to either of them, See, but I did I, read them. I ended up missing them because Danny opened them before my phone yeah, was that's like, my hey, fault. by the way, you got an email. And so I didn't even realize that they were there. I Usually I'm good about checking like every – usually I try to check every Tuesday uh, just because a lot of people are listening on Monday. And, right, then and then the questions come up have, right after. Yeah, and then we have our uh, our recording on Wednesday. Usually, we're recording on Thursday this week because my job likes to make me work crazy weird hours. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we uh, I try to make sure that I do that. I kind of I kind of yeah my my week's been so weird it's not even funny. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we're reading the emails. Trust me, we yep. read them. Uh, we might not respond right away just because we're either busy or we thought we one of us would respond to them, yeah. and we just forgot that the other person just didn't read them. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thanks for the emails. Um, now you know how to play D anD D. Hopefully, if you didn't before, well, now you know uh, how to well, create a character. Make a character anyway. <laughs> yeah, you guess you got some other stuff to work on, I guess. But uh, you have a character sheet in hand. You can approach a DM. You can officially start at least. Yeah, and. Uh, Good luck, you know. Good luck to you, and I hope you have fun. <laughs> Hopefully, we helped. <laughs> yeah. um, so, with that, I guess I'll take us out of here for the night. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Um, we hope that you all stay safe, stay happy, and above all else, stay nerdy. We'll catch you guys all in the next one. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>